Intentional walk for Schwarber. They get to Davis. And with a pitcher spot now on deck, Alan Webster is up in the bullpen. Remember, the bullpen wasn't used on Friday, and Cubs were off on Thursday. Davis in the air, deep left. It is gone. That's a grand slam. The time. Hello, and welcome back to the Framing the Conversation podcast. This is episode six. As always, I'm Fangraphs writer Devin Fink, alongside. MLB stats guru and author Jeremy Frank and professional baseball player Taylor Davis. There's been a lot going on since the three of us were last on a podcast. I think the last one was um, Jeremy being a guest and the one before that was was Taylor, Jeremy and a guest. So it's really uh, awesome to have the original squad back, the OG squad. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, so we've got a couple things we want to talk about today. First, Taylor has some personal news that he wants to share and we'll kind of talk a little bit about that and then second this is being recorded on a Sunday night as the Mookie Betts trade seems to be coming to like an actual conclusion so you know all the details I don't think are fully out there yet but we'll have plenty to talk about that um, because it does actually seem like he's being traded to the Dodgers so before we get into that Taylor do you want to share the the big the big news with with yeah absolutely so um first of all with Devin I want to apologize for the huge absence big reason has been me and this whole met this uh you know this crazy free agency market for us minor leaguers is just it's been blowing up you know no I'm kidding um so I signed (laughs) with the Baltimore Orioles so um I'm down in Sarasota for spring training um so as far as uh, I do want to update the listeners a little bit because now that I'm no longer a free agent, um, you guys know, you, you two know, but the, the listeners don't know as much. Um, I won't really be able to make as much comments and like uh, I probably won't be on near as much because I just really can't publicly make comments about, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on. So the listeners, if I get inactive or you notice that, I don't make comments on a certain scenario or there's, you know, there's times where I just have to hold back and um, I hope you guys can appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes total sense. Um, never want to, we never want to put you in a tough spot, but I guess our first, my first question is, you know, why, why, why did you decide to, to go to, to the Orioles? Um, so there were, there were a few teams, a few teams that we talked to, um, you know, I'm excited to get over here. I know a few members of the coaching staff, and that was that was kind of nice um, being able to come over and hopefully um, get a chance to be around some some people that that I had been with prior. Um, you know, and and obviously, I'm I'm hoping that there's a chance that that uh, you know I can help the big league team win. I think this is an organization that's that's going in the right direction as far as. Um, you know, building up the analytics department and, and putting money into those things. Obviously, the front office has done some, some cool stuff, you know, like the, the GM, the assistant GMs are um, very well known um, in the analytics departments. And so for me, that's something really exciting. And it's somewhere that I could see myself being uh, post-baseball. 
And I think that's, that was an important step for me uh, was I would love to get somewhere where I could be the rest of my career um, as a player and, and going forward. Um, and then finally, I'd say probably, uh, you know, Brandon Hyde was a uh, coach with the Cubs um, when I was there. And then he was actually in the uh, farm director and such in the minor leagues. And um, being around him, uh, you know, as for, for a few years, um, it was, it was uh, very cool to learn under him. And I, I just – I always felt like when he got another chance because most people – if you don't remember, uh, he was an interim manager with the Marlins. Um, but so I don't want to say his, co- his managing debut, but um, I, I think that I was really excited to see him really get uh, a stronghold in a position. And I think this is a great spot for him to do it. I think he's in a, a really good place. Um, and I'm excited to hopefully get to play for him and help him win. Yeah, uh, that's that's really, really cool. Jeremy, if you don't have anything, I, I already have a, another burning question, but I figured I'd let you I was know. just going to say that I think the Taylor Davis signing with Baltimore really shows how much emphasis they're putting on the catcher position now between him and Adley Rutschman. I feel like they're really showing that the future of the game is, is behind the plate. So I'm really excited to see uh, what the future holds for you, Taylor, with the Orioles, whether that be as a player after, after those days are done. But just want to say congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And actually, it's interesting you bring up Adley. I, I'm really excited to um, to get to meet to get to meet Adley, get to watch him play, because, you know, right now um, it, it's not quite as like, uh, you know, what was it after the 2011 draft? So we'll say probably 2013 or 14. I feel like uh, the prospect lists were like shortstop laden, like it was that all yeah. over again. And I feel like the catchers are kind of making a comeback right now. Um, you know, there are some big name guys. There are some big name prospects. Um, Adley, obviously, topping that list. And it, it's fun. I think it's interesting that you bring that up. And I do think that it's because, um, you know, there's an emphasis being put on it. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm really excited to get to, um, you know, help him, for, you know, get to, get to a level to where hopefully we can both play together one day and, and win a championship. Yeah, and you can really, uh, like you said about shortstops, you can really see that in the majors today. I think that the position that's improved the most over the last five years in terms of, like, its overall strength is shortstop. I mean, especially for fantasy baseball, like, shortstop used to be, like, the one position where, like, shortstop and catcher, or, like, you kind of had to take a guy that was pretty offensively challenged, just, like, hopefully, like, scrape something out. But now there are, like, 15 to 20 shortstops that can that can hit pretty well compared to um, like what you'd be expected to hit at shortstop just like five or 10 years ago. Maybe that's where the is going to. Yeah. And the one thing I will say, Oh yeah. The one, the one thing that I'm like thinking about though, is like, I mean, they, they expect Rutschman to stay a catcher, correct? That's the expectation. As far as I know from people I've talked to, um, he is not a what well, I, I don't want to say this. It's gonna no matter how I say this, it's gonna come out wrong. But he's not a bat first catcher. Um, okay. As, as far as as far as um, he he doesn't really tip the scales like oh my gosh he can only hit. Um, okay. He's gonna the way that I understand it is um, he is definitely a hitter that catches. So let me uh, Buster Posey is is a good example. He's more of a Buster Posey than than um, per se. Uh, uh, Mike Piazza. Or like a Bryce Where, Harper? Uh, 
It was like Harper caught, but then they moved him to the outfield so that, you know, his bat, so he could play every day. No, but if, if you're, if you think he's, if he's more like a Posey, then yeah, he'll absolutely stick behind the plate because he's yes. so valuable there. Posey, Weeders, Maurer, I think those are all better comps. Well, I mean, if, if the Orioles have a Joe Maurer or Buster Posey coming up through the system, that's got to be quite exciting considering how great those guys had, uh, how, how great careers those guys had. They were they were excellent players, and Posey still is pretty – I mean, how good is Posey these days, actually? Is, is he still hanging around? He's fine. I mean, he's kind of underrated now almost. Like, in the war league, he was – he went undrafted in a lot of in a lot of leagues, which I thought was kind of jumping the gun a little bit. He's still a solid catcher. His power is He had a, he had a down offensively last year. Right. But, you know, in 2017, he was still worth 4.7 war. In 2018, he was still worth 2.3 war. So it's just that ballpark. Yeah, but, but just here's what here's what I'll tell all. you. He he's a little different case too, though, because Joey Bart's closer than Adley Rushman is, and yeah. you know I, I think that depending on what the Giants do next year, there's probably a chance that Giants fans get to see Joey Bart at some point in in 2020. And would that require? Posey becoming a first baseman, but I don't think his bat plays well there. They played him at first a little bit, like for rest they days. Like he did. played like thirty yeah. games there a year, but he just—you're right—he can't—he can't hit well enough to play first base consistently, unless playing catcher is hindering his power. I almost feel yeah. like they're gonna do like if if that happened. Let's just it, let's just this is obviously all hypothetical. If that happened, if if Bart got to the big leagues, my my guess would be they would do some type of a. Um, a three-man platoon, and Brandon Belt would play first when Posey caught, and then Posey would play first when Bart caught. Okay. That would be my guess. And, and speaking of, like, three-men platoons and, and um, you know, with the addition of the extra roster spot this year, right, that's going to make things like that more possible. Was that, Absolutely. you know, was that anything that – when you considered your free agency, was that something you you thought about? Because oh yeah, you know are the yeah. are the Orioles going to carry more catchers this year than um, than you know in years past? Yeah, and that's you know that's obviously the question. Um, I'm I'm obviously hoping yes, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, yeah, you know, and and I think it it really just depends on on how the spring goes. You know, this is a, a report came out the other day. I think. Um, with as of a few days ago, so there may be more now, there were like 66 players invited to camp. So it's going to be a really big camp uh, in Baltimore. And Hyde really yeah. wants... Including Rushman. Rushman invited. Yeah, Rushman's there. I'm like, too, I'm like almost, not right next to him, but pretty close to him in the locker room. Podcast. Um, <laughs> so they, you know, I think that he wants competition. And, and that's, you know, um, Hyde is a... Hyde is an old school guy with a new school mentality in that, um, you know, he wants that competition. He wants you to have some fire, but he also understands the numbers and he understands um, that there's something to the analytics, which is why I think he makes a really good manager. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm obviously hoping that I think a lot of teams um, are, are going to use that. And we kind of hit on that earlier Um I think a lot of teams are going to use that spot for a catcher. I think I'll tell you who, honestly, like a guy. And when I think about it, um, 
is in a great spot is the um, I'm gonna forget his name now. Uh, Kinder Falefa. Um, oh yeah. I said that. Isn't like that, 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 that right? Kinder Falefa. Yeah, I'm, I'm Texas. Yeah. Um, I think so. A guy that can catch and play the infield, I think that's the perfect scenario for a 26th man, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and and is that is that how? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that is me. That's what. That's is, is that how you marketed yourself, you know, when you – because I – the Orioles, I, you know, I have the roster up right now, right? They've got – they brought in Brian Holiday um, this offseason also. Um, they also have Austin Wins. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I, I'm not yeah, yeah, good at yeah. pronunciation. Uh, Chancisco and Pedro Severino, all as catchers. But, you know, on the Fangraphs page, we have you correctly listed as a catcher slash first baseman slash third baseman. Yes. So and and I'm um, that is that is 100. I'm marketing myself very much as a as a I've always marketed myself as a utility player. I think I, I read something. Um, I had like and I didn't even know this, but I played over a thousand innings at first base, so I didn't even know that going into it. Um, but I'm very much look. I I, I want to be on the team, so if you want me to play left, I'll play left. Uh, I'll do anything that that you need me to do. So what what if they want you to pitch? I've done it. We all know that. Oh, look, I, I, yeah. you know, I, I can only say it so many times, but I got a zero at Wrigley. So, you know, I don't know. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's interesting. And I think it's because um, I believe MLB is limiting the number of pitchers you can have on your roster, right? The, 13, the intention, believe, right, the intention of the new rule of 26 man is that it's going to be an extra position player. Yes. That they're going to carry their five starters, their eight relievers, but then they're going to get an extra guy on the bench. And it'll be interesting whether teams decide to choose Pop, you know, a bat who might not really play the uh, the field that much, especially nationally teams choosing that, um, or another, you know, extra defender. What I think you're going to end up seeing is roster management at one position on each team done differently. And what I mean by that is I think you're going to see each team take a position and go offensive heavy and then a kind of a mixed guy, and then you're going to have a defensive heavy guy. And that 26th man will allow you to have that third player at that position. So right. But could that third player work for multiple positions? Could that third player be the third player at shortstop and the third player at second? Exactly. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of the, in my opinion, that's, you know, if I was a, if I was a GM, I feel like that's what I would do. I would take, um, the catcher position for, I got, you know, I use it, but it's, it's, I think it's true. You get a offensive minded catcher who you can actually take out of the game, um, in the seventh inning when you bring in the, the setup guy and the closer, and then you have a defensive minded guy who goes in, but you also have that third super utility guy. That's not, that's not the emergency guy, but he can actually right. catch if need be if it goes to the 16th inning. Right. Yeah. I think, but that I think the, the team... same thing could be said about the center fielder, the shortstop, or so you know, so be and so forth. Right. Yeah. I think that um, another thing, or well, going off of what you're saying, another position that like you wouldn't really think of a team doing, like you think of like maybe shortstop, second base, or catcher. I think we saw yesterday that the Rays are might be trying to do that with their outfield. Because they just traded Manny yesterday. So he's a a very defensive-minded outfielder. I'll say that in a nice way. 
And they also have Kevin Kiermeyer in center field. It looks like they'll be platooning. They've got Jose Martinez, who's your stereotypical bat-first outfielder. They've got Austin Meadows, who's not great with the, the glove. Hunter Renfro, who is a really great outfielder. It's just a bunch of guys that are really good at, like, one or the other thing, which I think that 26-man kind of allows them to carry that extra outfielder if they want to. Is the, is the, is the Japanese guy they signed, is he going to play first base? Yeah, he could probably play outfield. I don't think they're going to need him to play there with that many other outfielders on the team. It'd probably take a that's couple my, of injuries. For... Now, yeah, yeah. Jose Martinez used to play first. Are they going to move him back there and platoon him with G-Man Choi? Maybe. He's probably going to be platooning with um, G-Man Choi, maybe Tsutsugu also. Because like, they're both lefties and Martinez is a righty, so maybe he'll fill yeah. in both at both of them. I would just, have I would just think you got to play. Mar- Martinez has to play every day. Yeah, if you get 125 games out of Jose Martinez, like that's he's a really good hitter. If you can yes. like maximize what he brings to the table and like just let him hit, like that's a really important, like very, very underrated part of uh, like what but Jose I, Martinez can bring to the table. He's a but Taylor. Player. I think that I think that goes back to your point. Like you have Jose Martinez come in, start the game at corner outfield. And then in the seventh inning, when you're nursing a one or two run lead, just in case you bring in Manuel Margot, right? You exactly. have Martinez get three at bats instead of four, but then Margot comes in in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, just in case you know you you know you're nursing those those close leads, and you don't need Martinez in the game anymore as far as offense. Yeah, and and, me, and, and, and I know I know Martinez and Margot were trades, but not free agents. Um, but I do want to go back to this point, and we kind of talked about this. We hit on this really early on uh, one of our first two podcasts, and I remember I said something um, about like role players and players that are going to go on teams that um, are going to change the dynamic of teams that it really hadn't been set yet. And the way that we're talking about the 26th man, like Manny Margot has the chance to be that kind of a game changer in Tampa that he didn't have the ability to do in San Diego. Yeah. Um, right. You know, I think he's the kind of guy that, like you're saying, he can he can win the Tampa Bay Rays a game. Having Kiermaier and Margot in the outfield, like, yeah, you know. Especially the end of games when, right. you know, there might be up by a run. That's huge. Right. Right. Um, but, man, like, you, you always – the one thing that I always – like wish is like when you see these guys who were so good at defense, you just wish they could hit, right? Like when I, when you see like you know like I think my favorite example is like man, I just wish Billy Hamilton could hit. Cause think about how good Billy Hamilton would be with like you know like a league average bat or like Emmanuel Margot would could be with like a league average bat. They'd be playing every day and they'd be putting up three four war, but instead they're like excellent in the outfield, but they're you know is this like a really Clever segue. It's like a really clever segue into like actually the Dodgers can have that with Mookie Bet with the recent Mookie Betts trade. They did get a stud defensive outfielder who can hit. Was oh, that, that wasn't the there? plan. That wasn't oh. the plan. I was just but well, then I, you know, I should have just taken credit for it. It worked. And they have Cody Bellinger, another stud defensive outfielder who just happens to be able to be one of the best hitters in the National League. Right. <laughs> so um, I was trying to put this together the other day with um, let's assume that the the Jock Peterson trade also goes through. I, I know you guys said you weren't sure yet, but let's just assume it goes through. Who is the starting outfield for the Dodgers? It's going to be Bats, Bellinger, and Pollock, I think. 
And yeah. so who's going to play first? They have Muncie, right? Muncie at first, Lux at second. Right? Lux probably slides to second when he goes. I'm sure. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to start the year with the team. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. They also have Chris Taylor, I was thinking, Pollock, Enrique Hernandez. Yeah, they just have a bunch of guys that, like, they have, they have so many, like, guys that can play, like, wherever. It's kind of nice to have on a team. Like, with, with Chris Taylor especially, he's just kind of, like, can do whatever you want. And, like, they lost they were playing in outfield a little bit last year. They won't do that this year, I don't think. I don't think he actually played outfield in the majors last year, but they were trying to get him to play outfield. But they have so many guys you can kind of plug around everywhere. You can move Justin Turner to first base if you wanted to. Muncie to second base, like you were saying. Ballinger can play first. Mookie Betts maybe at second base if they need it. But Again? their versatility along with, like, everything else that's great about their team, it's just it's another thing that teams really, really want to, like, strive to have that the Dodgers just put right. together. Right, I mean, together versatility in theory saves you roster spots, right? Because that opens up more possibilities as far as – you know, bringing in free agents who are bat first guys and bringing in, you know, these, the, it gives you just so much flexibility. And I also feel like maybe Taylor, you could talk, speak into this a little bit too, is like, you know, I don't think people talk much as much about load management in baseball as they do in other sports, but I think some guys are just better when they play in smaller, you know, samples instead of the 650 play appearance season, maybe 450, but they're like twice as good. Like I think a great example of that is like Mitch Garner from last year. And no, I think no, when you have absolutely. this sort of, and when you have this sort of positional flexibility, you can do stuff like that. Yeah, I agree, and I think that um, I think that everything kind of matters in that sense. And I do think that um, you know, being able to play one sixty two, like you know, think it's it's crazy that like these guys, you know, the I don't think everybody always asks the. You know, like the one record I don't think will ever be broken. And if you if the if they don't say Cal Ripken, you're out of your mind. Like, yeah, right. That guy played every. Game I think the hit streak is hard to break, years. though. But that guy played it, every game. That, look, yeah. Here's the just for somebody to have a career as long as Cal Ripken Juniors is going to be hard to break at this point because right. guys don't get to the big leagues as fast. It's got nothing to do with kids being good; they just don't get to the big leagues as fast. And now they're they're getting out earlier unfortunately a lot of the guys you know like these teams are seemingly not signing guys um when they get older which hopefully that that changes and you know we've hit on a bunch that a lot of these pitchers are kind of changing that stigma and hopefully that continues um but yeah i mean i think that um i just totally lost my my Devin to put the to put into perspective if someone started um the hit streak in the year that we were born in 2001 they would have just uh, broken the record like two years ago. It's like that's how like like I understand why you think like the hit streak is or the hit streak. I think I might say the game streak. I'm sorry if I said hit streak. But if someone started a like consecutive game streak the year we were born, they would have just broken it a couple of years ago. Whereas the hit streak can be done with like a fluky couple months. That's yeah, fair. I think I think that's the fair. hit streak. I actually and I, I'm glad you brought like I don't think it was a fluke Joe DiMaggio like what you did it's incredible oh, no, but I actually yeah. think that's I, I actually think that that's one of the I, I do think we'll see that broken in our lifetime just because a I think hitters are, are getting I mean athletes are getting better but like you said I think you know you can go through a 60 game span where you're just you can't get out um not literally but you know it, it happened you know guys have really good 60 yeah. game spans um but I do think that 
uh, it was interesting um, last year, somebody, I don't remember even who it was now, talked about load management and talked about um, getting a day off and getting days off and not wanting them and how it affected them. Um, and I do think that's that plays a role. I think some guys, uh, I think off days um, are useful for some more than others. Uh, I think that some guys need them. I think that others don't need them as far as their mentality goes, as far as, you know, it may hurt them to not see pitches for a day or two. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, look, man, making it through 162 is is really difficult. I don't take anything away from from the football players or the basketball players, but to mentally play every day for 162 games is is crazy. Yeah, and you played on the Joe Madden Cubs, and I think Joe Madden did a great job of that when he was manager. Because even if they like they had it, they did have a lot of depth and a lot of versatility on the roster. But it seemed like guys would get consistent days off. Like even like the stars like Bryant and Baez and Rizzo would sit once in a while. Rizzo less so, I believe, but yeah, they would and, sit and, more than and, see and, some guys on other teams. Yeah, like, and, you, and, never and, really and that's a great point start. too. Is it seemingly he would do that and he did it well and he would he would spread it out enough. And, and what, what it seemed like he would do is he would spread it out using the off days that we already had. So that way you could – he really looked into it and, and tried to figure out the best way to do it. I thought – I agree with you. I think he was really good at that. Um, but, I mean, you know, like in September of, uh, let's see, 2018, I think we played like 30 games in 31 days. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that. you know, that, that is, that, that, that's, that is absolutely insane. Yeah. You know, for, uh, a, for, a, for, for anyone having to do that. 30, 30 or 31 days is a lot, let alone having to be like an athlete. Like that's very tiring. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But I think like going back to the whole like Dodgers versatility thing, like I, I do think it's huge to have guys you can play so many positions because you can, you know, you can trust guys off your bench to be basically just as no, well, not just as good, but more than adequate replacements on the when those guys are having their days off. And I just think, like, you know, we, I, I think, you know, sorry, I heard a story about about load management in baseball, and I do think it's especially with the added roster spot, it's something we might see a little bit more of with these really, really deep teams. I think that's so, something that I think that's something that you don't see quite enough and I understand why but you know you see these guys that come up through the minor leagues as the, the three-hole hitter the four-hole hitter they're playing every single night and then they're expected to be the bench guy in the big leagues and right. I get it but that's really hard to ask somebody to do now it's even harder to ask somebody when you acquire something like like this giant deal it's going to be even harder to ask somebody to go from not only were you that guy in the minor leagues, but hey, you may have bat batted sixth or seventh on that team for the past two years, and now you're going to be asked to play once every fourth day, once every fifth day. And that's, that's tough. That's really hard, and I don't think there's a way to prep for that. I don't think there's a way to prepare for that other than to having done it. Um, right, and yeah. I, like I said, I understand why, because you don't want, you don't want your star prospect to, or you, know, you don't want one of your prospects to not play in the minor leagues, but at the same time, I do think that um, it, it's you're asking a lot of a, a twenty, you know, twenty-two, twenty to thirty-year-old kid. Yeah, I right. Think it's and I also think it's in the in the NBA where like you have a guy who was 
the best basketball player on the court for their entire life up through college. And they get to the NBA and they're like maybe the third guy off the bench and they get like eight minutes a game. They got to come in and find their shot quickly and they, they go 0 for 4 and they get fewer minutes the next game. But it's just so hard for them because they're used to playing most of the game, being the most talented player on the court. And then they get on with a bunch of guys that are the exact same situation as them and have to figure it out. Right. right, and I also think interesting, not even just in the prospect sense, but also a guy like if if Jock Peterson doesn't get traded, then A.J. Pollock is really looking at being a full-time platoon player with with Peterson, where he would hit lefties and Peterson would hit righties. And, you know, Pollock didn't always do the, you know, hasn't always been on the field, but at least when, you know, he was a diamondback and he was healthy, he played every day when he, he was a starter every day. And now he's going to have to sort of adjust in that sort of way that, like, could be a detriment overall. Yeah, the thing with the another thing with the Dodgers and with Pollock is that, like on paper, like Pollock is probably going to be a platoon bat, but in all likelihood, most of the time during the regular season, someone's going to be hurt, and someone on the bench is going to be getting more playing time than they were projected to at the beginning of the year. That's why versatility is so big. So, like on paper before the season, yeah, they're a platoon guy, but then like I don't know, like next month he gets hurt. Then Cody Bellinger moves to first base, and all of a sudden, AJ Pollock's back in the outfield full time until like the first baseman, who's never even played outfield before, is, is back. It's just another thing with versatility is you can always bring the best guy off the bench because you can just move guys around to to get that guy in. Right. So, yeah. so I guess the question a lot of you know talking about how good the the Dodgers are 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 they far and away the National League favorites for both of you guys? Yes, for sure. You know, I, I honestly, I mean, I feel like it's, I, I don't, I, I want to say, I mean, obviously I think they're the most talented on, on paper going into it for sure. But, um, you know, I like what a lot of the teams in the National League did. And I'm excited to watch the National League as a baseball fan. I think, um, I think in general, like the National League itself is going to be better, like, I mean, like I said, I like I liked what a lot of the teams did. Like the I love what the Reds did um, this off season, I did too. and I think that what the Diamondbacks did this off season is great. I think that the Diamondbacks, um, as far as like under the radar teams that compete every single year and are in the hunt every single year, there they have to be up there. Um, like, I, I really enjoy – so, and because of that, like, I don't know if I can tell you that I think the Dodgers are far and away – are they the most talented? I mean, most likely you just acquired arguably the second best player in baseball um, on a team that was already really good. But at the same point, kind of like we talked about in the last podcast that us three had together, like, I mean, the Nationals weren't the most talented team on the field, but – they were the best team in the National League last year, and they were the best team of baseball last year. Right. You know, I, I, I think that's a fair point. I think when you talk about how interesting the National League is, there are – I think there is between three and four potentially competitive teams in every division in the National League. I think we were talking about this on the last podcast. In both leagues. Yeah. And, and I think, think in both leagues, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think, I think a lot exciting. of teams are going to compete. It's going to be – I think – like, you know, and, and part of that is teams are um, kind of, like, seemingly trying to go get some free agents again. Like, you're seeing some teams that have been kind of quiet doing it. Um, but still, I feel like 
the free agent market. I don't, I don't really know how it was or wasn't, but, um, you know, the other thing that I re- the reason that I really think it's happening though, is I think that the, the athlete in general is just getting better. And I mean that in every sense of the word in every sport, I think you're seeing it. I think, you know, to, I hate going on a, a different uh, sport, but like when you look at college basketball, if you're a college basketball fan, like this year has been crazy. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I think I think if you take it as a macro and you look at the whole, I think really what it tells you is just that there's a reason that these mid-majors are beating up on guys and these teams that are not even ranked are beating number one seeds. And it's it's not because the number one seeds aren't good. It's because everybody else got better because there's just that many more really talented athletes in America. So would you and, say there's less variability? Absolutely. I, that's, a, that's how I, I see it. I think that, that athletes in general are just getting that much better. So teams are getting that much better. And because you're seeing, um, I do think baseball went through a little span where like you had the role players, you had the utility guys that may not play every day. They may only play two thirds to three quarters of the season because they were getting more rest than the others. And everybody was platooning. And I think you're seeing a lot of guys now getting, you know, there are a lot of stars in the game right now. Like if you're a baseball fan, it's a fun time to be a baseball fan because there are a lot of really talented players. But because of that, each team can only have so many, right? You can't have, you can't have, uh, you know, I remember like this off season when the, the Dodgers were talking about trading for Lindor. Like, you can't have Seager and Lindor. So, therefore, two different fan bases get to watch a guy that's extremely talented and one of the best in each in their leagues play shortstop. Right. But I, that's you know. I, I think I think how teams are are looking at it. I I think this offseason was unique in that I think teams realize that they have more to gain from being competitive than in prior off seasons. I still feel that the middle, I mean, we don't need to get into the the state of the free agent market too much, but I I still feel like um, the teams are are finding the marginal improvements to be more worth it because at a certain point, I think the Indians are a good example. They just felt that they were winning the division every year. So they could sort of retool every year by trading away some guys who were closer to free agency and, you know, they, they dealt Kluber and they dealt Trevor Bauer and they were kind of in this retool sort of phase. Hey, we're going to win the division this year anyway. But then look what happened. The Twins get better. They win the division last year. And now the White Sox also are trying to, you know, trounce this year. And they may have had the best offseason of any individual team. And so when you take all of that into consideration, I think those top, the teams that were at the top realized that, the other teams decided that, it, yes, it's worth it to try and catch them. And um, that's, I think, why we saw what we saw this offseason. It's like the divisions are, are much more in reach than I think um, teams have had uh, analyzed in the last few years. Yeah. If, they, if that even makes sense. And you, you almost got to feel bad for the Marlins because, like, yes, I mean, like, don't feel bad for them because they trade away their entire core when they had a solid team. But now that they're, like, kind of on the rise. I wouldn't say like nearly contending for the division, but yeah, I don't think anyone would say that, but their, their roster isn't bad. I think that in the AL central, they could definitely be a, almost a third place team or they'd be a fourth place team, but they could really be in reach for like a solid team with only a few things going right for them next year. 
if like just a few like like I guess like they got a good couple bounces or whatever, but they're in such a grueling division that like it it's really hard. They have to wait like a few more years just for their window to hit because the other teams are just so there are four teams that are going to be better than them no matter what they do. Whereas if they were in the AL Central, they would be able to get wins against two or three other bad teams in the division. But right. yeah. No, I think it's I think it's really interesting. I think like the Diamondbacks too are another interesting example of like, hey, like, you know, we could make the wild card and we can make a run. They they had a good team last year. They won eighty five games. And then here they go, they bring in Cole Calhoun, which I think is a great under the radar signing. Um, they bring in Starling Marte, they bring in Madison Bumgarner. Like, yes, the Diamondbacks probably won't win the division because they've got the best or the second best team in baseball in that division. But they're going to be competitive for a wild card spot, as will pretty much half the National League, which will make it really, really fun to watch. Are they going to be the A's of the of the National League? Like, they're, they're a really good team, but they're stuck behind the Dodgers, and the A's are stuck behind the Astros for probably a considerable future, unless uh, the Astros kind of have this whole scandal hit them in the, in the face or whatever. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's, yeah. I think, I th- I think the... Um, you know, everybody liked the, the Marte signing, obviously, and it was brought up. But um, from a player's perspective, allowing Kettle Marte to play second base every day is so nice for him because now he can relax. He can not have to wonder where he's playing that day. He can go into the field and go, okay, like I'm playing second base every day. And it's easier mentally for that guy than it was for him to – go play center field one day, go play shortstop one day, go play second base one day, or not shortstop, but go, you, you, you see what I'm saying. So, right. um, you know, all the Kettle Marte fans, you know, there's a chance he gets better. Um, and I think that, like, Crazy you added, he was already, like, top five player last year. <laughs> right. And now you're saying that you're taking some some mental stress out away from that, which, you know, I'm a big believer that, that the mental part of this game is a huge part of the game. So now – you're right. taking some stress away from him. You're taking some outside noise away from him. Let the kid go out there and play, man. And and you're going to get to do that. And um, like you guys said, though, like adding adding some of those, especially, you know, they're playing in, in Arizona. Cole Calhoun may hit 60. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And I don't know. Um, I don't know how they're how the division will. But like I said, I. I love a team that competes and that team seemingly competes. You know, I think that um, you're going to see one thing that I I like about Baltimore um, is that there's, and I liked that, that Brandon Hyde is bringing in 66 guys to compete. There are a lot of young guys on this staff, on this position player side. um, And I think there's a lot to be said about competing. And um, I think that, allowing young players to go out there and earn jobs and win jobs. Um, Like, look, at the end of the day, if you're in the big leagues, you're a pretty gosh dang good player. So just about anybody, if with with everyday at-bats in the right situations, the talent levels are are close. Now, I'm not saying everybody's Mike Trout. I'm not saying that by any means. But I think that you send a bunch of guys out there, let them get – everyday at bats knowing that there's competition behind them um knowing that that winning games is what it's about is is can really change an organization um from the inside looking out you know the the, you know i I really do and like you're saying with miami like 
Miami goes out there, if they go out there and compete every day, they're going to they're gonna change people's perspectives from the inside looking out. The clubhouse is first going to believe it. And then once they believe it and they start competing on the field, even if they don't win, even if they're just in every game, the fans are going to believe it. And I think um, that's something, you know, when we were talking about why I signed here, I think that's something that I'm excited for. I think that Baltimore is a place that can do that. I think that this clubhouse, um, as far as I can see, they're 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 bought into a you know to a vision with with this new coaching staff with the new front office and I think everybody's going to compete and I you know and I think everybody like it's about winning and I think that at some places uh, that can get overlooked and I don't think that's going to be overlooked here and I think that's an important factor as to why I signed here. Yeah, and I actually do have one one point about the Orioles and, and competing. You know, they, they drafted two guys in the Rule 5 draft this year, Brandon Bailey, Michael Rucker. I don't know, if Taylor, if you've had the opportunity, if they're in camp yet or anything. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think that adds to it, right? They, they have to earn their spot by being on the, on the big league roster all, all the whole year. And you, it's hard to know whether they'll stick or not, right? I mean, Bailey has never pitched above double A. And, and obviously, Rucker has not pitched in the, in the majors either. He wouldn't have been eligible. Um, but it, it, I think that also adds to it. You know, you have those guys in camp thinking, yeah, uh, we might have a spot. And if we do have a spot, we, we get a chance to play in the big leagues the whole year. But they got to earn that or they can just be returned. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think, you know, you've seen Rule 5 picks that have done extremely well, especially on the pitching side. The pitching side has seemingly been the safer side to take guys because they have been more effective. And, um, you know, like I said, there's – there's different routes you can take it, and um, you know there's there's quite a few guys here already in camp, and and guys are guys are ready, guys are amped up, they're ready to go, and you know that's exciting. That's exciting to see. Um, you know you don't. I, I didn't know really what to expect. It was the first time that I wasn't in Cubs camp, so I got out here not knowing what to expect, and you know, coaches are out here, players are out here, trainers are out, like everybody's everybody's ready to go. Like it's. Um, it's, it's just, a, you know, it's another year and we're, and we're trying to win. And, man, I tell you, I, you know, I talk about the mental side of the game and I really believe that, uh, you know, wanting to win and, and, and willing yourself, you can will yourself to do it. And I, I, I hope that that's what happens here. I, I, I want nothing more than to win a championship for the city of Baltimore, especially, look, man, I live in Louisville now, so I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan, okay? So – Let's just call a spade a spade. Like me and him are going to be best buds in the off season. Right. Know? So. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see how teams construct their rosters, um, especially now. I think like one interesting team, the, the Phillies added like every single veteran on like a minor league deal with like an invite to camp that I've I ever, I've ever seen. It was like kind of insane. They, they brought in like Neil Walker. They brought in Christian Bet- Betancourt. Uh, they brought in um, on minor league deals. They brought in Josh Harrison. They brought in Nick Martini. They, I mean, you know, I saw some tweets that the Phillies basically just cornered the market on, uh, they brought in TJ Rivera, uh, Logan Forsythe, uh, Matt Scherzer, Mickey Mato. I'm pretty sure they brought in the most, veterans of like any team on minor league deals they brought in francisco lariano anthony swarzak bud norris drew storm i mean all these guys we've heard of who played in the majors 
and are competing for spots. And I just wonder how ex an experiment like that um, could go for a team where you just like, hey, maybe some of these veterans might have something left in the tank. They won't be pricey. They could compete, as you mentioned, Taylor, for a spot um, on the on the big league roster. And then, you know, there's no harm in, in letting them, if they have an opt-out, opt-out, or, or letting them go if, if it doesn't work out. But I, I And they brought a, another guy, Ronald Torres, who I know has been in the big leagues with with New York. I, I just find stuff like that with these teams that have decided to do this offseason very fascinating. I think they have like 70 guys in camp. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and like you said, it's it's a combo of adding uh, veteran leadership. I do think that plays a role in certain things, and especially that it means more to certain front offices than it does to others, but definitely just, you know, I don't want to say like looking over your shoulder, but having competition. You know, I think it's um, the, the guy that... This is the example I've used a couple times, actually. The guy that ran the sub-two-hour marathon. Uh, I don't even remember his name. But he, sure. he ran the first – it was the first one ever. Right? It was the first sub-two-hour marathon of all time. And he had something like 68 pacers. And he had a, a laser on the ground yeah. the whole time oh, showing his pace. But it's because you're always going to do better when you think you're chasing something. When you're chasing somebody right. or when you are not in first place, you're always going to perform better subconsciously. It has nothing to do with how much you're actually giving. And right. um, I think that that matters. I think that matters in this game just like it does in everything else. And at the end of the day, you know, which is why I love this game so much, like at the end of the day, if you're a pitcher and you throw 40 miles an hour but you put up a zero – you were better than the guy that throws a hundred and gave up three runs. And, and, and it's all about scoring more runs than the other team. So I think it's getting back to true baseball. Like these teams are like, screw it. We don't have the egos. We want to win however we can. Right. So even though, even those players, those players are like, you know what? I'm going to compete because I think that that team that I signed with can win. So I'm going to go there and I'm going to try to make that team so I can win. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think that I'm really excited for, for this baseball season specifically, not because like the players are trying hard or whatever, but just because there are, there are so many teams that are like, that seem like they're going to be in contention this year. They almost have to like, whoever wins the world series, you have to like, when, when people are talking about their legacy, like how do they compare to like the all time teams? You almost got to add like five or 10 wins just because of how many game after game, they're playing teams that are, like, solid teams. Like, I'm sure, like, 80% of these games that teams are playing are going to be against teams that are at least, like, that can win at least 40 or 40, 45% of their games at the minimum. And right. at the maximum, you're going to be playing a team that's probably trying for a spot. I mean, most of these teams are going to be coming against... Like, it used to be, where, like, even a couple of years ago, you'd be playing teams that are tanking, like, seemingly every other game. But now that's going to be like the, the vast minority of, of games against teams that just have no chance of, of doing anything. Right. And, and, you know, as far as, like, last-minute improvements go, um, it, you know, it does look like Jock Peterson, I just saw a tweet that he's still on the trade block, um, even though the deal kind of seemingly fell through, which obviously that's still going to be developing. But there's still some decent free agents out there. Um, obviously, the big one being Yasiel Puig is still out there. 
Um, and there, you know, I still think there are wins to be had. I mean, I think Brad, Brad Dozier is still out there, Kevin PR, Andrew Kashner. Um, so, and, and even a guy like Taiwan Walker, even though he didn't really have a great a workout when he was hitting high 80s, he's still out there too. There's the, the you know, the, the, we're talking about pitchers and catches reporting and all that, but there's still some decent free agents left um, that, that teams have, have available to them to make last minute improvements. And I'm like very curious, at least for one, to see where Puig goes. And, uh, you know, it seems like there's a decent amount of guys that are still on the trade block too, which, you know, really adds to it because these teams are willing to, um, I think it's cool. Like some of these trades you're seeing that I love seeing um, like major league for major league trades, like mm. not necessary. I understand why teams trade for the young guys, but me being who I am, I like to see the, uh, the trade where both teams immediately get better. And I think that's really cool. And um, I think you're going to see some of that this year. And I think that you've seen it more. I feel like teams are doing that more in the past or more like more than in the past. They're like, okay, like we're in the middle of the season. Hey, we can do this. Like, let's go get somebody to make us better right now. And right. it's, it's cool. I think it's, it's a, you know, like, like we've talked about, like, it should be about winning. Like every team should want to win every single game they play. Right. right. Uh, and I think an interesting example of that, um, of the major leaguer for major leaguer, maybe not. Wait, there was a um, trade in the middle of the season last year with Zach Gallen involved. I don't know if you yeah. remember that one. Yeah. Um, but it was Zach. Zach for oh, no, it was, that wasn't. Yeah, that wasn't a major leaguer for major leaguer. I don't know why I thought there was a major leaguer for major leaguer trade made last year with like the Marlins. I'm trying to think. Um, oh, you know who it was? It was Nick Anderson and Trevor Richards for Jesus Sanchez and Ryan Stanek. That I thought was a really fascinating trade. You know, with the with the Rays getting Richards. Um, Obviously, like he, he's a starter, but also they used him as a swing man. And then Nick Anderson might be the best reliever in baseball. And um, he, he struck out 110 guys last year to 18 walks. Um, and then, you know, they, they gave up um, a major leaguer in Ryan Stanek, who was basically the guy that created the opener role, which I found. So I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's an, a smaller example of where yeah, no, teams do, do deals like that. Um, hey, I, I got it, a I got a question for you two numbers guys, with sure. Emilio with Emilio Pagan going to the is it Pagan is that I um, believe so yeah with Emilio Pagan going to the uh, Padres what is their projected WAR? Deb, you want to pull it up real quick? At, yeah, at the, the bullpen the bullpen WAR. Uh, I'm on it. Okay, because that bullpen is nasty. Oof. It's actually. That's, I did not even realize this. They're projected for 5.2 war, which actually ties them with the Yankees for the best bullpen in baseball. There you go. That's Good call. Yeah, so actually, so if, you, if you take it out in extra decimal place, the Padres are number one. So wow. it's going to be – yeah, because it's going to be Kirby Yates, uh, Munoz, Pagan, Pomeranz, Pierce Johnson, and then what there's – They've got uh, Craig Stammen. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Yates, Matt Strom. I mean, they've they've got a lot of really, really good arms. I mean yeah. that, but that's... you know, 
As far as bullpen goes, though, I mean, it's it's one thing to have the best bullpen in baseball, but like its value is kind of capped, like because they don't throw that many innings, right? The Rays led baseball last year with seven point six relief pitching WAR, and that's big. But you know, having the best bullpen in the league doesn't necessarily, you know, it's it's great that the Padres have assembled this arsenal of arms, but. They still got the Dodgers. In that well, I mean, look, you still got you still got to score more runs than the other team by the sixth to get there. I, I get that, but you know, just as an example, going back and looking at the big three in Kansas City, when you could get to the sixth with a lead, that that was you were playing a you know you were playing a six inning game, and right other teams going into it know that you know like you know right. when you're going somewhere. That look, you better be winning by the sixth because if you're not, you're going to see Wade Davis, Greg Holland, and Kelvin Herrera. Right. Yeah. And I think you know. Now, I'm not saying that that's the three that the Padres have coming in, but I do think that their bullpen is good, and I do think that um, you know they have a chance to be somewhat similar as far as like you know Munoz is a kid that throws 126. Uh, you got Kirby Yates huh. with a million saves, and then you got Emilio Pagan coming over. So right. those three alone, you got a chance to have a really good seven, eight, nine. So uh, Taylor, so going back to your signing with the Orioles, I hate to put you on the spot, but if you had to pick one player on the Orioles who you're most excited to play with, and one player in the AL East, like one pitcher you you'd be most excited to to hit against, who would you choose? Ooh, um, it's a good question. That is, that is really putting me on the spot, man. You can decline to answer, and I can pick for you if you want. (laughs) No, I'm excited to play. Like I said, I'm actually excited to play with a lot of these guys. Um, I've I've played with a few of them before. Um, I'm excited to see. Honestly, it sounds crazy. I'm excited to see Chance Cisco play. You know, I've I've followed him kind of as he's come up, Um, and I think that I think that they have some guys that can really break out. I I really do. Um, I think that I'm excited to see. You know, honestly, so I played against Hanser Alberto um, in the minor leagues before he, when he was with Texas, before he came to Baltimore. So I'm kind of excited to see him again, just because I've, I've played against him before, and I think it's really cool that he's he's doing what he's doing in the big leagues right now. Um, and then, as far as somebody that I, did you say I want to face or don't want to face? Um, like you'd be most excited to see, like to to play, like so. It could be someone that like would blow you away, or someone that you off of. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's no, an interpretation. Yeah, I, I don't know that one honestly. Um, like I said, I I really no, I don't I don't know that one. I'm excited to see somebody. Um, I want somebody to to blow my mind here. You know, I want somebody with this team. I, you know, I look. Let me let me say this. I would love nothing more than for Chris Davis to hit 75 home runs this year. Like, obviously, Chris Davis has shown the ability to hit for a lot of power. Like, it's there. So, like, why not? Like, that would be awesome. I believe Chris Davis has more 50 home run seasons in his career than Barry Bonds did in his career. So, there you, there go. you go. And I feel like Chris Wait, Davis... Wait, no, Chris Davis has one 50 homer season, bro. <laughs> Oh, was it as many? Dang. I wasn't sure if it was as many or if it was more. But it wasn't as many because Barry Bonds only had one. But, yeah, it was uh, as many. Um, but oh, I, I just I do know that That's funny. I, like, I love that. 
look from the outside looking in, he looks like the biggest human of all time. So like, I am excited to play with him. I want to see him. You're gonna love John Means if you ever get a chance to catch him. I mean, he could, he was like a what twenty six, twenty seven year old who contended for Rookie of the Year last year. Who? Great, oh, like yeah, out I of nowhere season. Means. I caught John yeah. Means the other day. Oh yeah. How did yeah, you like catching them? <laughs> Dude, they've got some sure I mean, the arms here right now. The arms here right now are good. You know, like we got John Means is here, Tanner Scott's here. Um, you know, there Brady Rogers, like there are some guys, there's uh, some there are a bunch of guys here that want to compete. Um Cody Carroll's here, a guy that you know, a bunch of guys that throw really hard. I mean, they they've put together uh, yeah, a decent I mean, little group. It's it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. I'd say Means is more of like a smart pitcher, like he like a strikeout first guy, but he definitely seems like a guy that you'd like to you'd like to catch. Yeah, he'd, I'm I'm excited. Look, dude, anybody that puts up those kind of numbers, I want to catch. So, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and actually, one guy that I'm I'm really fascinated to, to see how he hits this year is Pedro Severino. I mean, last year he he hit he actually had you know 300 plus play appearances for the first time in his career. He hit like decently well. Um, but the, all the underlying numbers would suggest that he could even be better, could be above the league average for a position player, above a 100 weight runs current plus. So I'm very curious to see how he'll hit this year. Just, just yeah, throwing that out there as far as the Orioles go. Of course, Austin Hayes. I've got to be Austin really excited. Hayes, obviously. And then Mount Castle, who is a giant human being who hits balls a mile. So, you know, there's – there's some pieces. It'll, it'll be a fun year for me. You know, it's going to be a fun year in a new organization anyway, but um, I, I'm really excited to be over here. I think it's a cool spot, especially with, with SIG and with, um, you know, with Mike Elias. I've, it's, it's definitely somewhere that, like, I'm, I'm excited to be not only as a player but as a fan and, um, you know, as somebody, like I said, that, you know, wants to stay here for as long as I can. You know, right. one – one pitcher I'm like extremely fascinated by on the Orioles. It's Richard Blyer, I believe that's how they say his name. I don't know if you've had a chance to catch him yet, but he's I like, like if you look at his numbers, like his strikeout and walk numbers. You you look, you think it's like a 1940s pitcher. Like he strikes out like five guys per nine innings. Never really walks anyone. He he's a pretty solid pitcher. Before this this last year, he had three straight years with an ERA under two, but he just doesn't strike anyone out. Like last year, he had 55 innings and only struck out 30 guys. But only walked eight. But he's a very like he's like one of the only guys that does that nowadays. That's awesome. And, and, yeah, and a guy like that, his success really rests on the batted ball luck. Can he keep the ball in the yard? And in, in 2018, he pitched 32 and two thirds, didn't allow a homer. And so obviously, if you're only allowing singles and doubles and triples, not even that many triples, you're going to keep your ERA lower if you allow those big flies. He's actually only allowed 12 home runs in 174 in a third career innings. Very fascinating. He must just be a soft contact to God. Now, well, now I'm interested. Tell him we, we said some good things about him on the podcast. We can get oh, him on. Cool. Start recruiting some O's players to come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, no but, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting year. Across the league, another Oriole. I don't wait. I actually I do have a question for you, Taylor. Okay. So you've been in camp, and I don't know how many days you've been in camp, but who has impressed? Who who's come in in the best shape of his life and 
has impressed you the most? Taylor Davis. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I can't answer that <laughs> because I didn't know any of these guys prior. So okay. I knew, I mean, I, that's, I'd known some of them, but I, I don't, I didn't know them really before this to look at them and go, oh man, like you really look different. Um, you know, I, I, that's, yeah, I mean, I'll just say me. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I look great. <laughs> I have a kid, I have a kid now, so I came to camp with dad strength. So it's definitely me. Right. It's going to be a 35 homer season playing in Camden Yards, no doubt. Yeah, yeah exactly. 35. <laughs> Write it down right now. Okay. All right. I got the pen. I got the paper. Okay. No, no, no. Not 30, All right. Not 30. Don't, I don't took August, 32 which I thought was a little disrespectful, but I took the over. Say what? I think I thought Bavada set the over under 32 and a half, but I took the over. Don't worry. Okay. Thank you. On, on Taylor Davis home runs? Yeah. 32 and a half. You took the over? I did take I mean, the over. I mean, between. How many grand slams? The... Oh, I didn't see that line. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a few of those, right? You got to make some in every now and again. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the, I mean, Taylor, at, at your current rate, hold on one second. Oh, uh, you uh, should hit a grand slam. If this, if this loads, hold on. I, I, I'm. Well, this, this is gonna be. This is gonna be. Of my homers are gonna be grand slams. So. Oh yeah, stats right now. Yes, yes, hundred percent. you. You should be hitting like th- 35 home runs and uh, be driving in, you know, like 180 RBI when it comes down to all the grand slams plus all the extra doubles and triples. And, so you know, gonna, it's so going to be. So you're saying I'm going to be like a better. I'm going to hit like. I'm going to be like a Adam Dunn, but with more doubles and more uh, RBIs. Don't forget the fewer, in, fewer strikeouts, better versatility. You're, you're going to win MVP next year, I think. I mean, fun seat trout. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be fantastic. I tell you, this would make this podcast way more interesting if I was the MVP. <laughs> yeah, I have, to, I have a question. I have a question. This is kind of like a weird question, and like I don't even know. It's not really like it's like a personal thing. But next year, would you rather win like the Triple A MVP award? I don't know if that's a thing or not. Or would you rather play like most of the season up in the majors, but like not do anything as spectacular as like? The Triple A MVP. I'd rather help a team win in the big leagues for sure. Um, yeah. You know that that's that's what it's about. That's why we play the game. You know, is to. I feel like if you did, league, so. uh, if you were on pace to win Triple A, yeah, I feel like the Orioles would probably find a spot for you on the major league. <laughs> I would hope so, but you know, we're they are pretty loaded at catcher. So, I mean, yeah, anyway. they got Taylor Davis. They're obviously going to be loaded at catcher. What do you mean? <laughs> Anyway, MVP. <laughs> Triple MVP, yes. <laughs> anyway, guys, I think I think it's just about time to to wrap things up a little bit. Yeah, who's got our poll question um, tonight? There we um, go. No, that was it. That was it. Triple MVP, or let's say a hundred games of like a, being a a zero war player in the major leagues. I don't think gonna, I don't think anybody's going to vote the Triple MVP though. I don't yeah, think I don't. I got okay, fine. Then. We'll have to, it, I'm gonna think of any question. Then I'm not gonna answer this. Well, actually, I'll answer it. Um, the how about we each make our vote for Cinderella team of the year? Ah, uh, what kind of Cinderella? Like, like a team that you're talking about right now. Like a team that you look at and right now. If we're saying at the end of the year they're in the playoffs, they're a Cinderella team. 
Okay. They're a you know they're a they're a ten seed in the in March Madness. They're a ten to sixteen seed in March Madness. I, 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 get to the playoffs. So I'll give you I'll give you one, and I'll ask you if it counts as a Cinderella team, and then if not, I'll have to think of another. But I'm gonna ask if the Cleveland Indians count as a Cinderella team, like not even sure. just no. to make the playoffs, but play division. Because like I think I turn them off as like not a good team anymore, but I think they're probably the most talented team or second most talented team in that division. But you don't think I'll that give, counts? I'll give you I'll give you the Indians just because I think everybody that looks from the like everybody that doesn't actually break it down is just gonna look at that division and say that the White Sox are going to run away with it. And if they don't, then they're going to say the Twins are going to run away with it. So, absolutely, I'll give you them. All right. I have, I have two teams that won 70 or fewer games last year, one in each league, that I think okay. could be Cinderella teams this year. Let Taylor go first because he only has one team, and then if he says your team, you could say the other one. All right. I mean, I, I think we all know I'm going to pick the Orioles. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I figured that was coming. <laughs> Here's I mean, two, I mean, them. like – I'm telling you, like, I do think that um, there's something to be said about having, um, you know, a new front office, a new manager. It's going to be his first, you know, it's going to be his first, his second year as the manager. So, to me, it's kind of like after a college coach gets his first recruiting class, you know, you can't really even do anything until he gets his first recruiting class playing. Um, You know, this is his second year. He's been here for a year now, and I just felt like it wouldn't surprise me. If, if we come out this year and they they end up the year, you know, and it's you look at the end of the year and you're like, dang, like they were really good. Like, let's go. That would be sick. So I'm picking the Orioles. I, hope I, right. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Um, you wouldn't just be saying that were any team that you were on, only the Orioles. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he signed there. He had, he had his options. Had, Everyone had wanted teams. to sign – Everyone wanted to sign the super utility Taylor Davis. He picked the Euros because he knew they're going to be the Cinderella team next year. Exactly. There you go. I have two. I have two. Let's hear it. I'll start with the one that might be more uh, more surprising as my pick. But unfortunately, Taylor, the AL East is going to be really tough. And my pick is actually the Blue Jays. I was thinking that was – my pick after the Indians, I was going to say. I think the Blue Jays are surprisingly, like, if they, if you know, let's say, it's it's hard to say if everything breaks right, but they have a lot of young talent on that roster. Bo Bichette, Gavin Biggio, Biggio Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I really liked bringing in Travis Shaw. It's not like he hit worse than he did last year. Um, Derek Fisher still has the potential to be a good, a good bat there. Um, he's shown some pop. What? They brought Ryu in. Yeah, Ryu came in, and, and they brought in Tanner Roark and Chase Anderson. So I they, actually they think the they're... They got the young core that no one's talking about. What? They, they got the young core that no one's talking about. I feel right, like. they, have a, they have a young core that no... Exactly, they have a young core that no one's talking about. I mean, development isn't linear, right? I mean, these guys all develop at different, at different rates, but... I would not be shocked if the if the Orioles or excuse me if the Blue Jays um, if the Blue Jays actually were surprisingly Ten good Giles. next year. Ten Giles could be the best reliever in baseball next year. It's possible. Don't count him out. It's possible. Oh. Hey, really and, and, Ken Giles. Ken Giles could have been our, our trivia. Uh, could have been our poll question. Is Ken Giles a Blue Jay at the end of the year? But 
Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good, that's a good, good question. And then my National League Cinderella would be the Padres. Um, I don't, they can't be a Cinderella right now. Yeah, they finished yeah, last in their division I last year. I, I don't care. You can't. I, I don't. I, if if the be. Indians can be a Cinderella team after winning ninety plus games and missing the playoffs, the Padres. To understand, it's not about how many they won. It's about the perception of the team. That, that's I what know. I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think yeah. like a lot of people forget that the Padres finished in last in their division last year. They only won seventy games. You, I feel like so you're I making feel like going back to college basketball. You're saying like I'm picking like a, a sixteen seed that only lost two games. And you're like, but their record was too good. And you're picking like a nine loss team that wasn't like the big time getting a seven seed or something. But okay, fine, that, that's fine. Seven, I, about, I still, yeah, you stay with the Blue Jays. You get the Padres out of here. All right, yeah, fine. I'll say, stick with the Blue Jays. I though I will say that I think the Padres will be much improved next year. And I think everyone thinks so. Good. So, the, so maybe the Blue Jays. Maybe the Blue Jays are where people where people are missing out. Especially with the Red Sox. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll ask. So you know, we'll put this on on Twitter. The Cinderella team is it going to be the Orioles, the Blue Jays, or the Indians next there year? There will be. I guarantee you, there will be replies saying the Indians are not a Cinderella team. But I. Oh, because I, I, I don't think they are. If if you, I, I agree, but, like, well, but if you listen if you listen to the podcast, like if the people don't just go on the if you listen to the podcast, I think you would understand why we all agreed that there's Cinderella. All right, well, just we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Team too, I would say if if anyone wanted to choose them, I would I would say that, I would say the Red Sox are an option to be a Cinderella team. Yeah, maybe. I think it's, one one team who I'm not going to even consider as a potential Cinderella team is the Astros. They, they don't. <laughs> you could make the argument. I'm not making the argument. They don't get. They don't even get any. Are the Cubs a Cinderella right team? If they choose Chris Bryant, I don't know. It's the same as the Heat in the in the Red Sox. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But anyway, I think that just about does it. I gotta get back yeah. to, to the homework. I'm sure you do, Jeremy, as well. And then Taylor, you gotta. Get back to turning Richard Blyer into the best reliever in baseball. Yeah. We need we need a Taylor Davis Adley Rutschman back to back AL MVPs 2020, yeah. 2021. Yeah, it's like I'm scared. It's like he's, passing, he's passing the crown over. That's what the media right, is exactly. gonna be like when Rutschman takes it. Torch. <laughs> Look at the humility of this guy. Just wins MVP, passes the torch, and then the next guy behind him wins MVP. And then he takes the takes the manager spot of the Orioles right after. Oh my god! <laughs> like, even though even though he loves Brandon Hyde, so yeah, Brandon Hyde right. gets promoted. Brandon is the super manager. Yeah, Brandon Hyde. Brandon Hyde becomes commissioner of baseball. <laughs> All right. Well, I think the podcast right, is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we will see you guys. Um, again soon. Sorry for the delay. Obviously, we've all been crazy busy, but as always, you can find the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you may get your podcast. It should be there. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Framing the Convo. Um, you can follow all of us on Twitter as well. Our handles are in that bio, so I'm not going to just like say them. But anyway, um, thank you guys for listening. Have a great week. And baseball is just around the corner. And that should make everyone very happy as they get through the winter.
Anyway, till next time. Bye, everyone. <laughs>